0: Letter ten of Clarissa, or the History of a Young Lady. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Recording by Bob Gillam, Bettis Bleddreus, Lampeter, Wales. Clarissa Harlowe, by Samuel Richardson. Letter ten. Miss Howe to Miss Clarissa Harlowe, February twenty-seven. What odd heads some people have! Miss Clarissa Harlow to be sacrificed in marriage to Mr. Roger Solmes, Astonishing! I must not, you say, give my advice in favour of this man. You now convince me, my dear, that you are nearer of kin than I thought you to the family that could think so preposterous a match, or you would never have had the least notion of my advising in his favour. Ask for his picture.' you know i have a good hand at drawing an ugly likeness but i'll see a little further first for who knows what may happen since matters are in such a train and since you have not the courage to oppose so overwhelming a torrent you ask me to help you to a little of my spirit are you in earnest but it will not now i doubt do you service it will not sit naturally upon you you are your mother's girl think what you will, and have violent spirits to contend with. Alas, my dear, you should have borrowed some of mine a little sooner. That is to say, before you had given the management of your estates into the hands of those who think they have a prior claim to it. What, though, are fathers? Has not the father two elder children? And do they not, both bear more of his stamp and image than you do? Pray, my dear, call me not to account for this free question, lest your application of this meaning on examination prove to be as severe as that. Now I have launched out a little, indulge me one word more in the same strain. I will be decent, I promise you. I think that you might have known that avarice and envy are two passions that are not to be satisfied, the one by giving the one other by the envied persons continuing to deserve an excel fuel fuel both all the world over to flames insatiate and devouring but since you ask for my opinion you must tell me all you know or surmise of their inducements and if you will not forbid me to make extract from your letters for the entertainment of my aunt and cousin in the little island who long to hear more of your affairs, it will be very obliging. But you are so tender of some people who have no tenderness for anybody but themselves, that I must conjure you to speak out. Remember that a friendship like ours admits of no reserves. You may trust my partiality. It would be an affront to your own judgment if you did not. For do you not ask my advice— And have you not taught me that friendship should never give a bias against justice? Justify them, therefore, if you can. Let us see if there be any sense whether sufficient reason or not in their choice. At present I cannot. And yet I know a great deal of your family. Have any conception how all of them? Your mother and your Aunt Harvey, in particular, can join with the rest against judgments given. As to some of the others, I cannot wonder at anything they do, or attempt to do, where self is concerned. You ask, why not may not your brother be first engaged in wedlock? I'll tell you why. His temper and his arrogance are too well known to induce woman he would aspire to to receive his addresses, notwithstanding his great independent acquisitions, and still greater prospects. Let me tell you, my dear those acquisitions have given him more pride than reputation. To me he is the most intolerable creature that I have ever conversed with. The treatment you blame he merited from one whom he addressed with the air of a person who presumes he is about to confer a favour rather than to receive one. I ever loved to mortify proud and insolent spirits. What, think you, makes me bear Hickman near me, but that the man is humble— and knows and keeps his distance as to your question why your elder sister may not first be provided for I answer because she must have no man but one who has a great and clear estate that's one thing another is because she has a younger sister pray my dear be so good as to tell me what man of a great clear estate would think of that elder sister while the younger were single. You are all too rich to be happy, child, for must not each of you, by the constitutions of our family, marry to be still richer? People who know in what their main excellence consists are not to be blamed, are they, for cultivating and improving what they think most valuable. Is true happiness any part of your family view? So far from it, that none of your family but yourself could be happy were they not rich. So let them fret on, grumble and grudge, and accumulate, and wondering what ails them that they have not happiness when they have riches. Think the cause is want of more, and so go on heaping up, till death, as greedy an accumulator as themselves gathers them into his garner well then once more i say do you my dear tell me what you know of their avowed and general motives and i will tell you more than you will tell me of their failings your aunt harvey you say has told you why must i ask you to let me know them when you condescend to ask my advice on the occasion They that prohibit your corresponding with me is a wisdom I neither wonder at nor blame them for, since it is an evidence to me that they know of their own folly, and if they do, is it strange that they should be afraid to trust one another's judgment upon it? I am glad you have found out a way to correspond with me. I approve it much. I shall more if this first trial of it proves successful, but should it not— and fall it into their hands, I would not concern me but for your sake. We have heard before you wrote that all was not right between your relations and you at your coming home, that Mr. Solmes visited you, and that with a prospect of success. But I concluded the mistake lay in the person, and that his address was to Miss Arabella. And, indeed, had she been as good-natured as your plump ones generally are, I should have thought her too good for him by half. This must certainly be the thing, thought I, and my beloved friend is sent for to advise and assist in her nuptial preparations. Who knows, said I to my mother, but that when the man has thrown aside his yellow full-buckled peruke and his broad-brimmed beaver, both of which I suppose were Oliver's best of long-standing, he may cut a tolerable figure, dangling to church with Miss Bell. The woman, as she observed, should excel the man in features, and where can she match so well for a foil? I indulged in this surmise against rumour, because I could not believe that the absurdest people in England could be so very absurd as to think of this man for you. We heard, moreover, that you received no visitors. I could assign no reason for this except that the preparations for your sister were to be private, and the ceremony sudden, for fear this man should, as another man did, change his mind. Miss Lloyd and Miss Bedolph were with me to inquire what I knew of this, and of your not being in church either morning or afternoon the Sunday after your return from us, To to the disappointment of a little hundred of your admirers, to use their words. It was easy for me to guess the reason to be, what you confirm, their apprehensions that lovelace would be there, and attempt to wait on you home. My mother takes very kindly your compliments in your letter to her. Her words upon reading it were, Miss Clarissa Harlowe is an admirable young lady. Wherever she goes, she confers a favour. Whomever she leaves, she fills with regret. And the little comparative reflection, O oh, my Nancy, that you had a little of her sweet obligingness. No matter." THE PRAISE WAS YOURS, YOU ARE ME, AND I ENJOYED IT, THE MORE ENJOYED IT BECAUSE, SHALL I TELL YOU THE TRUTH, BECAUSE I THINK MYSELF AS WELL AS I AM, WERE IT BUT FOR THIS REASON, THAT HAD I TWENTY BROTHER JAMESES, AND TWENTY SISTER BELLS, NOT ONE OF THEM, NOR ALL OF THEM JOINED TOGETHER, WOULD DARE TREAT ME AS YOURS PRESUMED TO TREAT YOU the person who will bear much shall have much to bear, all the world through. It is your own sentiment, grounded upon the strongest instance that can be given in your own family, though you have so little improved by it. The result is this, that I am fitter for this world than you, you for the next than me. That is the difference. But long, long for my sake, and for hundreds of sakes may be it before you quit us for company more congenial to you and more worthy of you i communicated to my mother the account you give of your strange reception also what a horrid wretch they have found out for you and the compulsory treatment they give you it only set her on magnifying her lenity to me on my tyrannical behavior as she will call it mothers must have their own way you know my dear the man whom she so warmly recommends, against whom it seems there can be no just exception, and expatiating upon the complacence I owe her for in her indulgence. So, I believe, I must communicate to her nothing farther, especially as I know she would condemn the correspondence between us, and that between you and Lovelace, as clandestine and undutiful proceedings, and divulge our secret besides— for duty implicit is her cry, and, moreover, she lends a pretty open ear to the preachments of that starch old bachelor your uncle Antony, and for an example to her daughter would be more careful how she takes your part, be the cause ever so just. Yet this is not the right policy neither, for people who allow nothing will be granted nothing, in other words, those who aim at carrying too many points will not be able to carry any, for can you divine, my dear, what the old preachment-making, plump-hearted soul your uncle Anthony means by his frequent amblings hither? There is such smirking and smilings between my mother and him, such mutual praises of economy and, That is my way, and, This I do, and I am glad it is your apprehension, sir, and you look into everything, madame, nothing would be done if I did not. Such exclamations against servants, such exultings of self! and dear heart and good-lack and lass a day and now and then their conversation sinkering into whispering accent if i come across them i'll tell you my dear i don't half above like it only that these old bachelors usually take as many years to resolve upon matrimony as they can expect to live or i should be ready to fire upon his visits and to recommend mr hickman to my mother's acceptance as a more eligible man for what he wants in years he makes up in gravity. And if you will not chide me, I will say there is a primness in both, especially when the man has presumed too much with me upon my mother's favour for him, and is under discipline on that account, as makes them seem near of kin, and then in contemplation of my sauciness and what they both fear from it, they sigh away, and seem so mightily to compassionate each other. That, if pity be but one remove from love, I am in no danger while they in both in a great deal and don't know it now, my dear, I know you upon me with your grave airs, so in for the lamb as the saying is in for the sheep, and do yourself look about you for I'll have a pull with you by way of being aforehand, Hannibal we read always advised to attack the Romans upon their own territories. You are pleased to say and upon your word too that your regards a mighty quaint word for affections are not so much engaged as some of your friends suppose to another person what need you give one to imagine my dear that the last month or two has been a period extremely favorable to the other person whom it has made an obliger of the niece for his patience with the uncles but to pass that by So much engaged! How much, my dear! Shall I infer some of my friends suppose a great deal? You may seem to own a little. Don't be angry. It is all fair, because you have not acknowledged to me that little. People, I have heard you say, who affect secrets, always excite curiosity. But you proceed with a kind of drawback upon your averment, as if recollection had given you a doubt. You know not yourself if they be so much engaged. Was it necessary to say this to me, and to say it upon your word too? But you know best. Yet you don't neither, I believe. For a beginning love is acted by a subtle spirit, and oftentimes discovers itself to a bystander, when the person possessed—why should I not call it possessed—knows not it has such a demon. But further, you say, what preferable favour you may have for him to any other person is owing more to the usage he has received, and for your sake borne, than to any personal consideration? This is generously said, it is in character, but, oh, my friend, depend upon it. You are in danger. Depend upon it. Whether you know it or not, you are a little in for it. Your native generosity and greatness of mind endanger you. All your friends, by fighting against him with impolitic violence, fight for him. And, Lovelace, my life for yours, notwithstanding all his veneration and assiduities, has seen further than that veneration and those assiduities, so well calculated to your meridian. Well, let him own he has seen, has seen, in short, that his work is doing for him, more effectually than he could do it for himself and have you not before now said that nothing is so penetrating as the eye of a lover who has vanity and who says lovelace wants vanity in short my dear it is my opinion that from the easiness of his heart and behavior that he has seen more than i have seen more than you think could be seen more than i believe you yourself know or else you would let me know it already in order to restrain him from resenting the indignities he has received and which are daily offered him he has prevailed upon you to correspond with him privately i know he has nothing to boast of from what you have written but is not him inducing you to receive his letters and to answer them a great point gained by your insisting that he should keep the correspondence private It appears there is one secret which you do not wish the world should know, and he is master of that secret. He is himself, as I may say, that secret. What intimacy does this beget for the lover? How is it distancing the parent? Yet who, as things are situated, can blame you? your condescension has no doubt hitherto prevented great mischiefs it must be continued for the same reason while the cause remains you are drawn in by a perverse feint against inclination but custom with such laudable purposes will reconcile the inconveniency and make an inclination and i would advise you as you would wish to manage on an occasion so critical with that prudence which covers all your actions not to be afraid of entering upon a close examination into the true springs and grounds of this your generosity to that happy man. It is my humble opinion, I tell you frankly, that on inquiry it will come out to be love. Don't start, my dear. Has not your man himself had natural philosophy to observe already to Aunt Harvey that love takes the deepest root in the steadiest minds? The deuce take his sly penetration, I was going to say, for this was six or seven weeks ago. I have been tinctured, you know, nor on the coolest reflection could I account how and when the jaundice began, but had been over head and ears, as the saying is, but for some advice from you, which I now return to you. Yet my man was not half so—so so what, my dear? To be sure, Lovelace is a charming fellow and where he only—but I will not make you glow as you read, upon my word I will not. Yet, my dear, don't you find at your heart somewhat unusual, make it go throb, 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 as you read just here? And if you do, don't be ashamed to own it. It is your generosity, my love, that's all. But as the Roman augur said, Caesar— Beware the Ides of March. Adieu, my dearest friend. Forgive, and very speedily, by the new found expedient, tell me that you forgive. Your ever affectionate, Anna Howe. End of letter ten.